Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting right next to me is Jenny. Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest, it's Megan. Hello. Hello, Megan. Now, we got some. We got dynamite to get into. We got a bunch of news. We got the Elite Beat plug of the week, but uh, we can't do any of that before we kick things off with... The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. All right, Jenny, what do you have this week? This week, I have a Kirkland Hard Sparkling Water. Ooh. Lime flavored. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And I'm drinking out of my roommate Hopsolator. Mm-hmm. Slim can variety. Right. Perfectly. Designed for White Claws. Yep. And all of its competitors. Yeah. 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 Well. We tried a we tried the Kirkland kind. I, I like it. Um, the only problem is that it comes with three other flavors, and I haven't been brave enough to try any of them. Oh, you still haven't? No. What you're are they? Run out of limes here pretty soon. I understand. Okay. <laughs> what flavors are you scared of? It comes with black cherry, good mango, good, and. Was it watermelon? I can't remember. I think watermelon. Probably good. Well, I don't know. I like really prefer the lime variety and lemon varieties of the White Claws. And uh, I just haven't been brave enough to try the Kirkland ones yet. I don't know if it's bravery. <laughs> it's preference. <laughs> <laughs> just have not wanted to. But the lime one's good. It tastes like very similar. To the white claw. Okay. It's not like the truly ones. I've tried the truly ones before. They're a little bit sweeter, mm. which I didn't like as much. But the Kirkland seems to have about the same sweet level as white claw. Okay. You're really uh, transitioning to becoming a Kirkland household, I gotta say. Yes, we are. Well, why don't you uh, let us hear what that Kirkland sounds like? Ooh. That's pretty Crisp. good, one, right? Okay. I am drinking. A what brewery is this? It's a Rheingeist. The Rheingeist Cheetah, and I couldn't tell that because I also have it in my roommate Hopsulator, uh, twelve ounce can uh, version. Well, mine's so. twelve ounce can too. It's just the slim. Sorry. Tall. Okay. Yes, mine's. But I think mine is called the twelve ounce. Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. So the standard beer can size. It's good for uh, like cokes and stuff too, though. You know, Kirkland does a better job of their can opener bottle situation. That was like a long crack. That was. All right, Megan, how about you? Um, I don't have a sound because I'm drinking boxed wine, but I will say I, I have the brewmate, like the big wine thing. So like I put it into the wine bottle sized holder. Oh, so that's that. so fancy. Are you drinking white wine? Boxing? No, no, I'm drinking the the Grazi Portuguese mm. delicious wine, but it arrived and um, like, I think right when we it shortly before it got to my home, based on the amount of red wine that had spilled out, um, I think the inside of the box punctured the bag, just like a little Ooh. pinprick. I found it, and so I slapped um, <laughs> a piece of saran wrap over it, and like I duct taped it. <laughs> and <laughs> Put some wine in this 
this bottle so that I didn't lose any wine. Did I'm a real classy gal. Um, I still need to email them. I was so concerned about preserving the sanctity of the wine. Uh, but I took pictures. And yeah, I'll probably oh, get good. that shipment for free. But um, I don't want to disparage them because their wine's really good and, and they have really good customer service. It was just like, it's like I opened the box and was like, oh no, <laughs> we've got a situation. And so I had to repair it. So, so. This, is, this is the one, this is the same one that we gave you? No. No. No, no you gave this me Kirkland. That, the shipping company kind that yeah, it's... her and her dad split because he likes the white and she likes the red. Oh, okay. Yeah. He must not listen to this podcast. No, I just, like, I think that box wine we gave her was also Portuguese. No, we gave her Kirkland box wine. I thought we gave her... No, I last we tried time... the Portuguese one that Connor dropped off for us. You did oh. not like but the Portuguese line. It was too sweet. This one? Okay. Very not sweet, I will say. Good. So. It's good. But yeah, I had to um, do some surgery on the bag to keep it preserved. Duct tape should have worked without even. I put the saran wrap over it so that duct tape didn't get into the wine. Oh, that was smart. I don't (laughs) think it would have been that smart. It's trying not to like contaminate it. But yeah, I think I, I think I saved it. Um, But yeah, so I have the brewmate bottle of the wine that I've poured in there and I will pour some more in next time just to like make sure the air situation in the bag is you know preserving its life yeah save that wine so that i can drink gotta save the wine gotta save the wine so yeah you gotta save the wine now i've got to talk about these rampage ratings friday's (laughs) aew rampage averaged four hundred and fifty-six thousand viewers on tnt which it sounds bad but it's actually up 7% from the previous week's record low for a rampage that aired in the show's normal time slot. Um, This week was still the second lowest viewership rampage has done in its regular time slot so far this year. Uh, And the 18 to 49 rampage drew a 0.15 and finished 18th on the cable charts, Hmm. which is also up 7% from last week. Uh, The show had heavy competition from the various wrestling related events airing as part of WrestleMania weekend, including ring of honor, Supercard of honor, uh, there was also an NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament Final Four game that uh, led all of cable with 3.1 million viewers overall and a .63 in the 18-49. So that doesn't sound disastrous because of all the competition, but then I then you get to this last paragraph. This is all, all from uh, F4W Online. Over the last 10 weeks, Rampage has averaged 512,000 viewers and a .2 rating in 18-49. So they're way off of their averages right now for the mm. even, even for this like past and, 10 weeks and it's been declining the last few weeks so you know that average is a little bit lower than it really should be because of the abysmal ratings you yeah know, two weeks ago and then that horrible rating last week um and then this week yeah but yeah. i think maybe they're falling off their game a little bit aren't the uh, extremely low numbers though these last two weeks aren't they both due to i mean they had basketball at uh was it last week? The one that they had to run at like 1130 and then it actually was at 1145. That's that's a really bad time slot. That's yeah. out of their control. But then last week they had their normal time slot and it was bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, I agree. The like 1145 was not their fault. I and mean, then they got like 300,000 or 250,000 yeah, viewers. That <laughs> really drags the average down. But there was a reason for it. You know, like that sucks. Well, Tony Khan's taking it seriously. 
on his uh, weekly busted open radio appearance uh, yesterday on Wednesday before he left the show, he made a point to say he is. Do you mean he's taking it seriously or he's taking it personally because it's Tony Khan? I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> both. It can be I think, both. I think sometimes with him, the two might be one and the same. I know. I know. That's uh, why I was making a joke there. I, I understand that you were making a joke. <laughs> uh, he made a point to say he is going back to his ruthless roots when it comes to the lineup for Friday. And that it will be a stacked up show. Well, I guess that means Hook's coming back. Hook is not going to be on, <gasps> on this, uh, this edition of uh, Rampage. CM Punk? CM Punk? No, CM Punk is not. Uh, the then lineup, what are roots is he going back to? I mean, we're we're going to. I think I think Megan's we'll dynamite recap will illuminate some of the. That certainly some of the explains we'll some of the. Uh, I was like, damn, heavy dynamite. Yeah, like even more so for uh, even more so for next week's uh, rampage. Or yeah, rampage. Sorry, yeah. Uh, good lord. Let's see. Here's some like cool news. Um, March sixteenth is now officially. Thunder Rosa Day in Bexar County, Texas. Uh, Rosa defeated Brett Baker inside a steel cage to win the AEW Women's World Championship on the March 16th edition of AEW Dynamite last month, which uh, took place in Rosa's adopted hometown of San Antonio, Texas. Rosa revealed on Tuesday this week that Bexar County, Texas has now proclaimed March 16th to be Thunder Rosa Day in commemoration of her title win. Rosa's Mission Pro Wrestling promotion will also be running a charity event to benefit the Salvation Army San Antonio on April 16th. The show is titled Living on the Edge, and funds raised will go specifically to after-school programs in the city's south side. That's one of the parts of the city that needs the most help because of the socioeconomics that exists there, Rosa said to S 5 News. After-school programs are so key for a lot of these kids because this is like a safe haven for them. Aww. So nice to see somebody doing good with their celebrity. That's really nice. Yeah, good for her. Also, like, how cool is it to just have a day named after? I know it's it, it's <laughs> just one town in Texas, but it's like that's that's my day. It's a whole county in Texas. Oh yeah, you're right. It's not too shabby. Good for you, Thunderosa, and way to turn it around to make it you know a positive, like putting positive out there. That's good. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side of the AEW Women's Division, unfortunately, uh, Layla Hirsch appeared to be injured during a match that took place prior to Dynamite last mm. night. Uh, she was facing a local competitor from Boston when she appeared to injure her knee on a somersault flip out of the corner during a match taped for Dark Elevation. She landed on she landed feet first and went down as soon as she landed, grabbing her knee. The match was immediately stopped, and Hirsch was helped to the back. Ooh. So no update on that so far today. Um, but you have to figure that, you know, she was probably figured into the, uh, into the Owen Hart classic somehow. Oh yeah. If not I in mean, the actual tournament, if not in the actual tournament itself, then in a qualifying match. Yeah. And her and Chris Statlander have so much beef they need to get through. Yeah. I kind of figured that would end up being one of the tournament matches, but, uh, it was not to be. Ugh, that sucks. That does suck. And then I guess that just that just leaves uh, last night's AEW Dynamite, which averaged 989,000 viewers on TBS, up 1% from the previous week. The show finished second on the cable charts in the 18-49 to 49 demo with a .38 rating, identical to last week's number. Hmm. Dynamite trailed an NBA game on ESPN that did a .44 rating in the demo, but the show did manage to beat the late NBA game on ESPN. 
Uh, it says the biggest increase for dynamite this week came with females in the f- 12 to 34 age group. 12 year olds are watching this. Yeah. I'm trying to probably think of be. what the, what the female draw was. War daddy. Probably. Uh, <laughs> who? <laughs> War daddy. Oh yeah. Probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, so that was, that was the rating for dynamite, a, a decent rating. I would say that's a guy. I would say that's a good rating. I say when they get into the point fours, that's uh, that's more your great rating. But point uh, three eight's nothing to sneeze at during, you know, end of NBA season time. Was Is the uh, college basketball tournament over? Mm-hmm. Okay. Was Dynamite like? Did this show get planned before or after Tony Khan got all fired up about ratings? Because they kept repeating the announced team that this is a pay-per-view level show that you're getting for free on Dynamite, like, or on TBS. And you're not getting it for free. You're having to pay for cable. But still, you know. Yeah. So I think that that wasn't that wasn't so much about the Rampage ratings because he's addressing the Rampage ratings directly by beefing up Rampage lineups. This yeah. was about this was about the fact that WrestleMania was pretty well received. Um and I think he just wanted to he didn't want to have a a mediocre show coming after WrestleMania. Okay, because they were really hitting that point hard on the announcement side and which is fine. I mean I thoroughly enjoyed the show, but it was like, what is happening? What <laughs> what are we trying to sell here, guys? Is it the Malachi they, Black uh, little uh, wrestle minifigure, whatever the hell it is, which I couldn't figure out what it was today when I was trying to? What? The mini, um, it's like, I've, I finally figured out it's their ver- mini brawlers. It's like their oh, version. micro brawlers. Micro brawlers. It's their version of Funko Pops. I like yeah. looked on the website because it kept popping up in the corner and I'm like, what the hell is this thing? And then. The picture, since it's a pre-order for Malachi Black, is just like, it looks like a sticker, essentially. It's just like this flat <laughs> graphic. Um, and I couldn't find any other micro brawlers for sale. And I'm like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> is it just like a like a piece of paper? Like, is it a trading card? Like, in air quotes there? Like, what is this thing? I had to Google it. I don't know. Sorry. So, I think Lance Archer has one because his whole Instagram is just about, like, his mini Lance, like his mini Archer, like I don't remember exactly what he calls it, but it's he, he posts a lot of pictures about his little mini brawler of himself enjoying like food or working out. Sure. Or, like, <laughs> having sure. adventures. It's pretty cute. I like it. Good for you, Lance. Uh, sorry, micro brawler confused the hell out of me for like a really long time. That's okay. Maybe it'll come back up. Uh, so, Megan, that does take us to AEW Dynamite from the Aganis Arena in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, where I believe they distributed 5,596 tickets, according to WrestleTix, uh, 97% of the capacity they set up for. So, pretty good job there. And they didn't quite hit what they drew there last year, last October. They did 5,661 uh, last time. So. They got close, but uh, you know what? They need to go west. True, true. The I mean, the crowd did seem hype, like at times. Not, not as hyped as what was it last week or the, the one crowd. Last week I, in South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, so Boston did not match that energy, but on the last match, they they showed up for it. So I'm okay with it. But yeah, 
we're back in Boston, guys. And uh, I guess let's get into it. So, the opening match. Um, Dynamite openers are almost always great fun. And this one between Adam Cole and Christian Cage was no different. Um, It was definitely a slower burn than usual with a lot of, like, hit-and-run type moves being exchanged early on. So, like, nobody really committed to, I don't know, chaining together things. It was just like, bam, you're hit, and now I'm going to escape. But then, you know, things pick up near the end, and there are a series of near near falls, and finally Adam Cole gets the pin when he does the boom. But that came after he poked Christian in the eyes illegally. Uh, The ref didn't see, of course, but... You know, there was cheating there. Adam Cole had to cheat to win. So He always has to cheat to win. He likes to claim he doesn't. He likes to... It's Tony Schiavone, his uh, detractor extraordinaire. He hates Adam Cole and all the excuses he makes when he loses. He's a bad loser, he called him. But this time he won through cheating. So I guess he's a bad winner, too. Just kind of bad (laughs) all around, Adam Cole. (laughs) Just a bad guy. I like Adam Cole. Okay, good. He seems like a very nice person, like, outside of the ring. Yeah, every time he does something kind of shitty heel-like, I'm like, oh, you're secretly just so polite. It's so nice. Such a nice boy. So good for you for acting. I was very uh, impressed by Christian in this match, because we haven't seen him a lot lately in the ring. And it was a reminder that he is still really good. And especially after watching... Um, night two of WrestleMania, where I saw his uh, compadre Edge wrestle AJ Styles. Um, Christian, I will I will say, is is actually holding up. I think a lot better than than Edge. Yeah, I think that's come up before on this podcast, and uh, sadly, I have to agree with you. Edge, I don't I don't know what's going on with him, but Christian, he looks, looks like. Hot dad energy, like he said once long, long ago. <laughs> I'll never let it go. He's he's clearly an older gentleman, but I think he's aged very well, and he appears to be in great shape. So good for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, held his own in this match. Probably could have won if not for the eye poke and the sneakiness. Um, but also, it didn't. He's only, ha- been, he's only been. It's it's one of those things where uh, they they protect their stars so well that you can. You can like remember the losses people have off the top of your head because this was only, this was only the second time Christian has been pinned in an AEW ring, and the other one was of course against Kenny Omega. So it's you know I think I think that's valuable because you know if you watch another wrestling show, I don't want to name names, but <laughs> if you watch another wrestling show and like a top guy gets beat, you know it's probably like the tenth time he's gotten pinned that year. Yeah, well he's a top guy; he'll recover. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's a good point. That's just it. They don't. They don't recover. They don't make stars. <laughs> they, well, they, they, have all... to, they have to push. They have to push forty-five-year-old Bobby Lashley and forty-four-year-old Brock Lesnar because they can't make new stars. Okay, AJ Styles is, is like horrifying. forty-three, still headlining. Edge, Edge. We just talked about Edge. He's like forty-seven. Oh, but he looks older. He looks like a rough forty-seven. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough, but you're right. That's a good point. Christian, he has not lost a lot, but also he's been on TV with his boys, Jurassic Express, so you also don't forget that he's a thing. 
which is a mm-hmm. nice. They've they've struck a very good balance there with him. So kudos Tony Khan. But yeah, unfortunately for Christian, after the match, um, the Red Dragon boys, they ran out and they just they weren't even helping Adam Cole, who had already won. They just wanted to beat up Christian some more. But luckily, you know, Jurassic Express, they were right there. They helped their buddy out. They fought the Red Dragon guys back to the backstage, leaving Adam Cole all alone in the ring, which wouldn't be a big deal normally. But then he uh, he decided to get on the mic and start disparaging Hangman. And again, being a bad loser and talking about how it was a fluke and he definitely should have won. And so Hangman's music hits and Hangman books it to the ring and Adam Cole's like, oh, you're so scared of me while also backing up very quickly. Um, Just just looking like a real brave guy. And uh, Adam Page gets up in his face and he says, you know, I get it. You want a rematch. You just can't let it go that you you got beaten and you've been a total baby ever since my words not hangman's um but hangman's like fine we're gonna do this and guess what next week in in texas we have a live rampage subtext that i didn't realize at the time tony khan is starting to put some pressure on to rampage um but it's a live episode and uh hangman says they're gonna have a texas death match for the title on that their rampage just probably a pretty high profile match, maybe one of the highest profile yet of a rampage. Um, Kenny versus Christian for the title was the main event of the first rampage, so oh, I, I guess it right. depends. It depends on which one you think is a bigger match of those two. I think yeah. Megan thinks maybe the Adams. <laughs> I just thought like the AEW World Championship is like the highest belt, and you don't see it on Rampage almost ever. But you're right, yeah, the first one. You know what, though? Now that I think of it, that was for the TNA world title, or the Impact world title. Oh, okay. So this... Because oh, that's, that's the one that Christian won. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Remember, then, they, then they did the rematch at the pay-per-view for the, for the AEW title. Yes. Okay, so this is the first, the championship title's first appearance on Rampage. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it would have to be. Because I, I don't think Hangman has ever wrestled on Rampage before. That I can't recall, but if he has, it wasn't for the title. Yeah. Um. So this was already planned to be a live rampage, though, because they would have already had to have sold tickets. So this isn't making it live is not the knee jerk reaction. Right? No. Okay. No. Um. It's live. It's airing at seven p.m. What? Eastern. No. Um. Because of because of I think NBA playoffs, and the. Second Battle of the Belts is being taped afterwards to air the next night. Okay, okay. so is that tomorrow that it's airing, or it's next? A week from okay. tomorrow. <sighs> what? It's hard to keep up with the changing schedule. Yeah, I agree. But it, why doesn't like WWE stuff change like this? Um, because USA doesn't really have anything else. They don't have sports. Not really. They have they have the U.S. Open tennis, and then and then Raw does move um, when that happens. For tennis, yeah. <laughs> I mean, think think about the ad revenue that like tennis could probably bring in because of the because of the people kind of people who watch tennis. So even though it's not greater numbers that would watch Raw, it's a much richer mm. audience. 
Time to advertise some Rolexes. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, though, that you say it's at seven because they definitely just didn't. They failed to mention at any point in this show that. They that probably rampage. thought it was too confusing. The people would think that that meant like tomorrow's that they meant tomorrow's rampage is at seven. And then so I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll hit it hard on Dynamite next Wednesday. OK, I mean, you're you're probably right. That's definitely a good reason. But also such short notice, you know, to wait until the Wednesday before. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes they don't they don't let me know when the time changes. Not that it affects me personally because I watch the next day, but it's mm-hmm. curious, curious. But anyway, that was the opener. Thought it was good fun. Uh, looking forward to, I guess, watching Hangman bleed again in a Texas death match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not I, looking forward to that. I can only assume that's at least going to be part of it. But we'll see. Um, after maybe TNT won't let them. Maybe uh, TNT won't let them because it's on earlier. It, is I that hope so. A thing though, I know cursing's like a big thing, but it seems like they bleed a lot on. Even before they moved to TBS, it seemed like they still bled a decent amount. I'm always confused about yeah, what but the rating system allows. I think you get more permit. I think you get well. The rating system. I mean, the rating system doesn't really mean anything on cable because there are no. There's no like. There's no government oversight of cable broadcasting. Um, but I think just in general, your network and your sponsors are, are more permissive with you the later in the evening your show is broadcast. Because mm. that's a, ultimately that's all the only thing, only people you have to answer to. So do they bleed on Dynamite in the first hour or do they always wait to bleed until the second hour? I don't I don't have that information off the top of my head. They didn't bleed this show, so... Matt Jackson got a busted up mouth, but that was legit. Yeah. And it didn't like stream that. It just like kind of pulled, you know, that that's Mm -hmm. the type of bleeding where I'm like, oh, I get that. You can easily like accidentally bite your lip or something if you're doing the athletics. But, uh, you know, we got no cutting, no cutting. Yeah. Right. We shouldn't allow cutting. (laughs) We'll never not allow it. It's a novelty. But anyway. Moving on, we get a quick highlight clip of the ROH pay-per-view where Jay Lethal teamed up with Sanjay Dutt to portray Jonathan Gresham. Hope I'm getting all these mm-hmm. ROH names correct. Um, and then Samoa Joe showed up and made the Jonathan, save. Jonathan Gresham, a real uh, a real short king. How long had he had it before it was taken? No, I just been Short game. Oh, physically short. Yeah. yeah, he seemed short. Yeah. <laughs> well, ROH, though, they get away with having, you know, that's where Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, I'm sorry, still making that transition in my brain. That's where he came yeah, up. I I think this Gresham is, like, even a couple inches shorter than Danielson. Really? Oh, damn. Yeah, I think he's, like, 5'5 five, five or 5'6. Five, oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Well, teapot. Um, That's okay. <laughs> That's you know what he room. has, though, that you haven't seen? He has a cool octopus mask. Oh, really? Weird. Yeah. What is his yeah. gimmick? Like, octopus um, guy? He's like a tactical wizard, so I think the idea of the octopus is that he's got, he can, like, tie you up into so many holds because he's, you know. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe, who knows? He may show up on Dynamite or Rampage at some point in the future because Tony Khan owns all of the action figures now. Um, we'll see. 
But the real important part of that clip was seeing Samoa Joe show up because now Samoa Joe is all elite and he's here to have a match with uh, Max Caster. Um, he actually is making his dynamite debut in the first Owen Hart championship tournament men's qualifier match that we've ever had. And uh, like Max Caster, you may be asking, Tony, why are we giving this guy a chance when we beat him in the ratings? He was their champ. <laughs> I loved it. Max Caster's rap was good. He made he made a reference to Joe's time in the X Division uh, in TNA. That was good too. Yeah, it was a good rap. I also appreciated that they cut to Joe and Joe was just kind of like he like just shrugged and was like, "These are facts." Uh, yep, it's true. I, I really liked. It. He was like, "Yep, these are all true statements." These are all true. I, it's just it, it's just gonna hasten the amount of time I take to kill you in a minute here. <laughs> yep. Like. <laughs> Say say your words, little man. Come on. I, when this match was announced on Tuesday afternoon, I immediately started thinking, "Oh my god, the rap is going to be so great!" Because there's just so many <laughs> there's so many things he could draw on, and I thought like he could reference DNA, he could reference Ring of Honor, he could reference NXT. It's amazing. And he did all those things. It's very good. Yeah. Enjoyed it, but yeah, uh, loved the rap, loved the reaction or non-reaction from Joe. So good. Um. And Samojo rules, like, he's got that very similar, like, I know he came before Keith Lee, but he is showing up with that similar energy of, like, he does dives, he also does the, like, the, like, shoulder shrug move, where he, he knocks those lower, lower boys out or away from him, um, I just thoroughly enjoyed it, and of course, like, Samojo wins, because he's Samojo, and, uh, he's in the tournament, the Owen Hart Championship Tournament, first guy in, Ready to see more of him. And Caster, Caster got almost nothing in this match. Joe just, Joe just took him apart. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't time it or anything, but it's, it felt very short. Like not a yeah. squash, but also like it was. I, I it was pretty squashy. It was a long smash. <clears throat> yeah. From a length of time, like Caster didn't get much offense, but the length of time it took for Joe to actually win—it was like three minutes. It felt longer than three minutes. <laughs> It was more than just like he showed up, did one move, and pinned him. That that right. I think that's what I'm thinking is like that was like, you know what though that was um, encouraging to me just because it's been so long since I've seen him have a match um, because he's been off with injury issues and I don't watch WWE anyway. That I I was just happy to know that he was able to go out there and have one. Yeah, yeah, I was I was like good for you. You're out here. You're doing it. Yeah, I don't and granted, know how it was short. It was short, but he still he did all his stuff. Yeah, and the crowd was hyped. I, oh, yeah. they, they were just happy he was there. He's I mean, he's just one of the coolest wrestlers. I mean, like that I've seen ever. He's like he's definitely one of my all-time favorite guys and it's so it's so it's I think we talked about this last week, but because he debuted on the Ring of Honor peer review, like god, he's he's been in the company less than a week. Um <laughs> and it's just so cool that they have Danielson, Punk, and Joe all in the same company at the same time. And there are so many different, like, interactions they can do with the three of them to, like, kind of, you know, do Ring of Honor callbacks and stuff like that. And they haven't even scratched the surface on that because because Punk and Danielson still have never crossed paths. I know. I was going to say, what are you talking about? Like, Punk and Danielson haven't even interacted right, yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they both had a lot of stuff going on in their own worlds when they showed up. <laughs> like, 
And, yeah, you know, initially they were both faces, so you'd think they'd be friends, but there's plenty of chance for them to come around. Oh, that's exciting. Very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. I love it. Samoa Joe must have forgotten his sunscreen, but did not forget his hat. His oh, whole, yeah. Like, his face was not sunburned at so all, weird. but his whole, like, torso was. He must have not sunscreened up Looks like properly. half a lobster. Do you think the Jacksons got to him and just, like, forced no, it was spray tan? Red. It wasn't that orange. Yeah. Like, it looked like a sunburn. Weird. Yeah, I don't yeah. Glad to see him, though. Burnt or not. Very glad. Whew. But yeah, anyway, speaking of those Ring of Honor boys, uh, after this, Tony Schiavone is talking to William Regal and the rest of the Blackpool Combat Club, who have really cool sweatshirts, I'll, have, I'll say. You know, I, we, <clears> da- <throat> we like, were down on their merch, their t-shirts at one point, but um, the hoodie and just the pullover sweatshirt, gotta say, like it. Very simple. No uh, bloody fist. Throwing that well, out Well, you're there. a, you know, you're a hoodie girl, so... I am. I love a hoodie. Yeah. Love a hoodie. But yeah, so um, <laughs> Tony is like, hey, this week's Rampage. It's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, Regal, he he agrees. He says, it's you know, he's off his nut with excitement. Sounds really <laughs> distinguished in a British accent. Sounds a little mm-hmm. goofy in an American one. But Regal's happy. He's got um, his two boys fighting. On Friday, uh, pumping up the show. So we got Brian Danielson. He's going up against Trent. And then John Moxley will take on the new ROH Pure Champion, Wheeler Yuta. Because uh, while Regal and Danielson have both been impressed by Yuta's deal so far, Moxley has not ever really, I guess, like tested him himself. So now he gets to kind of have his turn to see what the kids got. And maybe this... This will be enough once all three of them are impressed to bring Yuta into the fold. But we'll see. I mean, yeah. just... he did wrestle in that one time, but he beat him. Yeah. In like... I don't know. Did he? Did he beat him really quick? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a stacked rampage, as we've uh, talked about. So these two matches alone, being on it, are like, damn. And obviously the Texas death match. So Tony Khan coming at us hard. So good to know why at this point. So yeah. yeah. Uh next up we've got Captain Sean Dean against chair pervert Sean Spears. Uh MJF joins commentary, which the whole commentary team openly hates, and I love it. MJF sucks. Get him out of there. Um Sean Dean doesn't give an, get an entrance because he gets no respect. And uh, even though that's the case, he does get a win over Sean Spears when the war dog shows up and starts tossing around security staff, providing a perfect distraction. Once again, when he makes it to the ring, there's like three security guys who take him away. Uh, but prior to that, he's just beaten up one-on-one people left and right. So Wardlow's here. He wants MJF. He doesn't get to MJF. But he messes up this match. And hey, kudos to Sean Dean, who gets a win. And uh, yeah, like I just think he should get more respect. That's all I'm saying. I mean, he's now beat, <laughs> you know, two members of the Pentacle, so. Yeah, I don't remember him beating him. Oh, because Punk interfered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I'll count it, but you know, that was that was rough. I did really enjoy Wardlow just going ham on all those uh, indie wrestlers in the back, though. <laughs> yeah, Wardlow, uh, this is the time. The crowd were so hyped that he showed up. It was quite an energy in the room for him. And hey. Yeah, when do you think they're going to do that match? Uh, so, so it has to be at a pay-per-view. Um, no, it doesn't, though. It doesn't? <laughs> you know that about them. Oh. I mean, yeah, we know that about them. The I guess first, I will... the first punk, the first punk MJF wasn't at a pay per view. Neither Danielson Hangman was at a pay per view. You know. Okay, well, I want Wardlow to get a pay per view match at some point in this thing. So it has to be soon-ish then. Just because, how many times can Wardlow show up and and beat up security staff backstage before? He finally gets to MJF. Well, I think it could be at a pay-per-view because I think I think it's important that he kills Spears before he gets the match with MJF. Mm. So pay-per-view is at the end of May. So okay. if they if they string out like three more weeks and then he kills Spears, then they can then they can do like the last three or four weeks build up to the max of the pay-per-view. That would work. For me, yes, I think. Because um, obviously FDR is not going to step in because they're friends. So Spears is kind of the only lackey to get through. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, I, w- I just want Wardlow to have like the pay-per-view stage when he gets to fight Max. And uh, do you think that his first uh, showing against Max he'll win? Or will there be shenanigans and they'll like string it along? I think they could go. I think they could honestly go either way. Um, because I was I was a little worried when they did when they had Max beat Punk the first time, but it actually ended up making it better. Um, but I don't know if they'd want to repeat that same formula so quickly. So I kind of I kind of expect Wardlow to win this match. Okay. Hey, I think it'd be a fun, exciting thing during a pay per view for Wardlow to take down the hated mjf not against that so maybe yeah so that's uh we'll get back to those boys because you know they're obviously mad about what happened but for now we go backstage where tony shivani is speaking to the best friends and wheeler yuda who i guess is not a best friend anymore i mean he's standing with them um and to that end chuck (laughs) chuck also tries to smooth things over with him he reminds him that he and orange trained him Chuck bought him his tights, and apparently Wheeler Yuta is still sleeping on Chuck's couch. So they're not exactly like separated. <laughs> He's uh, still sleeping on Chuck's couch. That's what Chuck said. He's like, "You're still sleeping on my couch, man." I think Chuck wants to make it work. He's he tells Wheeler like, "You can still be the best wrestler possible um, as part of you know our group. Like that's not it doesn't have to be separate." And then Trent steps up and is like, uh, yeah, it does. I've never liked you. You need to go. Um, <laughs> and he tells you to, like, you need to watch my match at uh, Rampage against <laughs> Danielson and take notes on it because I'm going to show you how to wrestle. So he's very bitter. He should be. Wheeler took his spot and tried to say that he was Chuck's best friend for way too long. 
Oh, yeah. you That really affects you, doesn't it, Jenny? Take that kind of, like, yeah. personally. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> well, I have a sneaking suspicion Yuda's going to probably jump ship in the future, but for right now, um, Chuck's trying to save this thing and Trent's trying to burn it down. I didn't know there was anything to save, to be quite honest. I was surprised to even see him there. Yeah, I kind of thought by, like, saying he wants to join the Blackpool Combat Club, that pretty much that means also I'm quitting this thing with you, best friends. But Chuck wants it to last. Chuck's trying to bring him back in. I appreciate his optimism. The next thing we see is our favorite heels that don't realize they're heels. Sammy and... Ty Conti. Um, they come out during a picture in picture segment, which for me is full screen, and they are doing Sammy's cue card gimmick, but this time Ty's holding the cue cards while Sammy shows them. Um, it's basically just like a moment to antagonize American Top Team and accuse them of making excuses as far as like why they're not fighting and to let them know that, that Sammy and Ty still want revenge. Uh, they've got a new shirt that they're both wearing. It says Spanish God and Brazilian Goddess. And it's the two of them together. And uh, Jenny, I don't know if you noticed, but it looked like Ty had a ring on her left ring finger. Really? That picture in picture is so small. It's really hard um, to see. I didn't know if maybe you had seen on Instagram any news. I, and obviously she, she's allowed to wear like rings on any finger she wants. But I just noticed there was some gold bling on that ring finger on the left hand. I have not seen any news. It honestly would not shock me if they were engaged or already married with the way that they're like, you know, the speed at which their relationship is moving. It has been kind of a world one, haven't, hasn't it? Like, it feels very fast. Yeah, so, like, I'm looking, and she, in, like, a picture that she posted a couple days ago, you can see her left hand, and she definitely has, like, two rings on it on the same finger, and no other rings on any of her other fingers. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Maybe, maybe you, you caught something, Megan. Hey, Trying to be Scoops McGee over here. I don't know. I just noticed it. And um, I also heard boos from the crowd. And I wasn't sure if they were reacting to what was on the cards. Or if they've decided that Sammy and Ty are just require boos. But, you know, in the ongoing saga of them doing heelish stuff. But also maybe not realizing it. Thought I'd throw that out there. I'm telling you. They're going to be like the top heels in the company in six months. But... Just because of their personal lives, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, I mean, Sammy Sammy is a very annoying person. Um, <laughs> like, it's surprising that he got over so big as a babyface, quite frankly. Well, he was up against Chris Jericho, egomaniac, by trade, and also, you know, shoot. Um, but yeah, they do seem like that annoying, like, high school couple where you're like, just fucking get a room. <laughs> we don't need to be part of it. But Jericho, speaking of him, he comes up in the next segment. Um, we see a clip of earlier in the evening, 
apparently, Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz attacked the Jericho Appreciation Society backstage. And um, I guess the surprise factor helped them because even at three to five, the the JAS fled um, from these attackers and they ended up getting into a large black SUV that Hager drove up and was like, get in, get in, get in. And they like sped away. So they were not here in the building tonight. Um, Eddie, Santana, and Ortiz are here, and they walk out to the ring looking very pleased with themselves. Uh, Eddie lets each member of the JAS know that they will be attacked on site no matter where they are or who they're with. He specifies, if you're with your wife, Jericho, I will still go after you. So that's really intense. Um, And then Santana and Ortiz call out Jericho specifically and request a six-man tag match next week on Dynamite. So it would be Santana Ortiz and Kingston and presumably Jericho and I guess the uh, the dream team of Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Angelo. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm getting their nicknames correct, but they are the tag team. I don't know about jazz. Jenny, I thought you were the biggest jazz proponent of us all. What? I thought you were so excited that Jericho had his own group and that he was, you know, being a megalomaniac and people were being funny around him. I did enjoy the first, like, introduction promo. introduction promo. I thought that was funny, but I think Jazz is a really dumb name. <laughs> the shortened version or just the Jericho Appreciation Society uh, all spelled out? I mean, that's fine if that's what you want to call it. Because that is kind of funny, but it's so long. So you have to shorten it to jazz, and that's dumb. Okay. Okay. Well, then you should be happy with this segment, because they beat the hell out of them. I like the continuity of the uh, of the monitor. Yes. The, like, broken monitor that was remounted later on. That, that was a nice touch. Yeah. And Eddie called it out and was like, get this thing off my stage. So after that, we... Uh... We have Tony Schiavone talking to Jade Cargill. She has that bitch glasses, which were just brilliant. Um, But she and Mark Sterling are out here to formally introduce her baddies section. And apparently uh, this section is not filled with people she necessarily knows, just people who are baddies. And a baddie, as she defines, is a beautiful woman of confidence that knows themselves, which is, you know, good for them. Uh... Mark Sterling announces that Marina Shafir does not qualify to be a baddie. And uh, so she will not be allowed in that section. And then Jade takes over again to say she's tired of all these MMA ladies coming in here trying to do the wrestling thing. And she says Marina might be the problem, her nickname, but Jade is the solution. So she seems really unworried about this whole uh, 30th match deal. Yeah, she seems really confident. Are we're still thinking she's gonna win? Is that still the uh, the the thought process with you? Yeah, two? I think I think because Shafir hasn't even appeared on television, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if it was gonna be, I don't know, if it was Ember Moon or something, then I would say yeah. But it's Marina Shafir. I mean. That's what I thought too, but I, then I'm like, I'm confused and worried that like I don't have the context of the other shows, and and should we be like impressed? I, I don't. 
I was never impressed with Marina Shabir. <laughs> I, I, uh, I guess it's been a couple years since I've seen her. Was she still active in NXT? I don't think they used her for like the last year or so. She yeah. Was there. Did they ever use her individually or was it just her and Jessamine as a team? Because um, I only saw the team run and it was not great. But yeah. looks like the last thing she was doing in NXT was a run of house shows where she was uh, primarily working as a single. Okay. Huh. But then they never used they never used her after the they used her one time after the pandemic started. Oh wow! So she hasn't really wrestled in two years. Um, she started back doing indies in twenty twenty one, and then started with AEW in December. And uh, has she been doing dark? She's wrestled five times on dark. Okay. Twice what in it- December, once in January, once in February, once in March. And according to the clips we saw, she's just tearing up. The five matches that she did. She got beaten the first match by Chris Statlander. Okay. <laughs> That's not really tearing it up. She's won her subsequent matches in a minute 38, 329, 324, and a minute 20. Okay. Interesting. So they are positioning her as like a, as a, you know, as a pretty dominant character. But, uh, but you know, aside from that one video package, how, how are we supposed to know that? True. And like, it's interesting that they're positioning her that way when I think that's also how they position Jade and, and uh, it seems like her matches sort of heavily depend on her opponent to kind of bring the experience. So kind of curious what it's going to look like when two people who are positioned to win in like very short periods of time face each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like this one might not be great. <laughs> well, it will either be her thirtieth win or her first loss. So, in some, on some level, there's uh, gravity there. <laughs> huh. Well, I guess that is um, coming down the pike, and and hopefully, hey, hopefully, Marina Shavir is very good, and if she loses, hopefully, it's a it's like a fun, entertaining thing to see. Um, but we'll take that when it comes. So, uh, for now we go back to the outraged, uh, MJF and Sean Spears who are still backstage. Um, they're talking to Alex Marvez this time. Spears is just so livid that Wardlow got involved in this match and MJF assures him that more security will be hired for future events. So he's going to take steps. Uh, but also, MJF is very burned by the fact that the announce team kept bringing up how Captain Sean Dean has a victory over him and now a victory over Sean Spears. So he demands a rematch. And I don't remember what show they said that was going to happen on, but MJF is going to face Captain Sean Dean again, I think, I want to say on Dynamite, next week's Dynamite. Okay. Well, I think MJF can probably take him. Unless the war dog distracts him. I mean, that's a good point, Jenny, because when they they had a match last time, Sean Dean didn't, never touched MJF. CM Punk interfered, and now Wardlow is positioned as somebody who interferes. So 
do we think Sean Dean is actually going to fight MJF or it's all just going to break up down like from the beginning? I think they'll start fighting. Me too. Okay. Well, I hope Sean Dean gets some some good stuff in um, before whatever is going to happen happens. <laughs> whatever storytelling is going to happen. So, I don't know. That is... Uh, that is, I'm going to say, on Dynamite. I, th- I feel like Rampage is already pretty packed. So, we'll see. Um, after that, we have a match. It is a match that left me mostly confused. It was the Butcher and the Blade versus the Hardys. And um, my confusion stemmed from the rules that were not, like, super clearly explained. Um, before we get into the details, I will just say they said it was a tag team tables match. And the only way to win was to drive both members of the opposite team through a table using an offensive maneuver. Uh, what they didn't really clarify is that individual team members from each side could be eliminated, like, one at a time. And that there are Whoa. no... Yeah, and that there are no DQs. So, so like, ultimately, Jeff Hardy got eliminated, like, like two to three minutes in. But then he was the one who got the win by putting the blade through a table, which seemed, mm, I want to say, nonsensical. Wait, how did he win if he was eliminated? That is my question. Megan, would it make you feel better to know that uh, uh, noted library hater Lance Storm tweeted, uh, so the guy who was eliminated from the match first scores the deciding elimination to win the match? What? Yes, that does make me feel better because even though he's a noted library hater, which is wrong, um, these rules are dumb and weird. And just because there's no DQs, does that mean, like, somebody who is out can get a win? I feel like it shouldn't. Andy, your thoughts? That's not how I would have done it. But, th- like, honestly, that was the least of the problems with this match. This was, this was like, the Hardys were looking real old in this one. Yeah. And yep. it was, I don't know, it was just a mess. I thought, I thought this was, uh, I thought this was a sure thing. It's, it's kind of their, it's kind of, you know, one of their, their, their key matches. I, how was he eliminated but still out there wrestling? I I don't get it. So Jenny, what happened was, and and this is how I gleaned the rules because again they weren't clear to me the way they were stated. I think the butcher put Jeff Hardy through a table, which was a mess because he didn't actually, the table didn't break. But like since he he put him through it, Jeff Hardy was eliminated and they said that and i was like oh really that's weird and he kind of fell off like out of the ring and off to the side and i thought he was just gonna go away but he stuck around and was like wait i'm eliminated but i'm gonna help and and because there's no dqs he could step in and start helping um and apparently win yeah and and like that didn't break a rule and, and, like, the butcher got put through a table by Matt at some point. So then the two legal men, Matt and the Blade, were fighting. But ultimately, Jeff Hardy got the win. That's so strange. I didn't understand what they were trying to do with this match. And, Andy, like you said, it was a mess. And I I didn't want to let, like, like Jenny, I know you and I are um, kind of tough on the older, the older <laughs> legacy wrestlers. 
And I didn't want that to cloud my view of this, but I was like, this seems bad. Yeah. <laughs> I watched half of this match and then I kind of gave up on it and I, <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything else to say about this match, but I do want to, um, I do just for the record, want to read Lance Storm's original <laughs> tweet from September 8th, 2013. Oh, Lance, oh God. Any authors out there? I'm curious your take on libraries and your work. Seems like you were being robbed. Sort of a low-tech file share. Lance! <laughs> Good what lord. What is wrong with him? Andy, I thought Lance was um, generally a pretty woke guy. <laughs> I don't I'm... think I don't I don't think it's a, I don't think this is a matter of wokeness. <laughs> I, I guess like this is you can uh, there there are plenty of woke idiots out there. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, Lance. Yeah, that's Lance. Good lord. I wonder how he feels like nine years later. I'd, I'd be curious. Yeah. But uh, I just as a side question, has Lance written a book? Is is this where the bitterness stems from? <laughs> He's written ebooks, so I don't think they're in libraries. Well, he wouldn't be up for that because it's free file sharing. I mean, ironically, ebooks are easier to share. <laughs> True. I don't. Okay. Okay. Oh, Lance. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, this match was a mess. Afterwards, Andrade and the rest of the Evo made the rail to the ring. Halfway down the ramp, Sting's music hit. And he walked out with the bat in his hand. No Darby to be seen. I was wondering where he was at. But um, Sting takes out Private Party and Jose the Assistant's. Of the assistant, and when he gets to Andrade, Andrade very cowardly uh, grabs the bunny and puts her in front of him to use as a human shield, and he uses this maneuver to get around Sting and then uh, head to the back. So, just throwing that out there, too. The bunny was so good with her facial expressions during this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am not compelled by her as a wrestler, but I think she's great as, like, a side character. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so that's the state of things for the AFO. I don't think they're doing great, um, but I also don't think they're going to break up in the meet, like a near future. So we'll see how that goes. Um, after that, we go backstage. Christian is standing with Jurassic Express. He is very angry about losing his match. He takes a drink of water from a plastic bottle and then he just tosses it really hard off camera and then walks off the screen. Um, Isn't that what Moxley does every night? Well, yeah, but that's part of his charm. Is it? I find it charming. (laughs) You find littering charming? I assume somebody's going to pick up that bottle. You know, he could go chase it down later. We don't know. We don't see it. He's in a mood. He Uh, is 100% not going back out Onto the the stands every night and getting that water bottle. There well, is you know, no way John Moxley is doing that. Jenny, you know who is getting that bottle? Some rabid fan who's like John Moxley drank out of this bottle. I'm so excited. <laughs> I fully believe that there are people out there that do that. So, but the, you know, no one's doing that for Christian because he's backstage. And there's no fans around to pick up after him. So probably the janitorial staff has to take care of his bottle. Just, I think worse, Jenny. Think worse. 
The janitorial staff is taking care of Moxley's bottle, too. <sighs> it's possible. It's likely. It's probable. But the point is that, like, Moxley, you expect this. Christian, this is uh, this is alarming behavior. I mean, Jungle Boy looks kind of worried that, like, his friend is maybe, um, you know, not acting the way he'd expect. So... Junk boy, he like he tries to get things back kind of into focus and under control. And he, he looks at the camera and he says, You know, that red dragon, those boys, they don't have a good enough record to challenge for the AEW World Tag Team Championships, but we can challenge them to a match and put our titles on the line. So they're going to do that. I'm pretty sure it's this week's rampage where they're going to do that. It is a rampage. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Jungle Boy puts up the tag team championships online against Red Dragon. Um, so I don't know. Stupid move, maybe good move. We we don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see a title change next Wednesday. Really? Really? I don't, I don't, I'm just not like, it was a nice, it was a nice moment. Actually, it wasn't even a nice moment because Ray Phoenix like destroyed his arm uh, during Ugh. the title change. But Ugh. I just I don't think there's this title reign has been pretty lackluster. I think for the for Jurassic Express. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. I think Red Dragon will be funnier with it. Honestly, like they'll be shittier and and just like. God knows Kyle O'Reilly will play the belt at any chance he can get. I think that if we come away from the Jurassic Express tag team title run with anything, it's that Jungle Boy got to tick tick a box. Like, you know, he got his first big title win and, you know, you can you can say like, okay, this is where it started and we move on from there. But when do you think they're going to break up Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy? Because it feels like Luchasaurus kind of brings down Jungle Boy a little bit. I don't know. I mean, he's certainly very over. He is very over. You're right. Um, he always gets a pop, but yeah, it just always feels like Jungle Boy has to do all the work. Yeah. And if you're doing all the work, wouldn't you rather just be a singles? Well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess it doesn't matter. It's it's if you look at it from his perspective, they're they're one of the top. I, I will not say that they're the top tag team in AEW, even though they're champions, but they're they're near the top. And where would he be if he was a single? You know, like that division mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. jam-packed. That's true. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait a while. Let like the punks and Danielsons age out of <laughs> <laughs> age out of it. Oh, yeah. I hope Jungle Boy. I, I mean, he's young. He has plenty of time. But he'll be fine, yeah. Yeah. Well, that could be interesting. I I can't say that I'm anti-Red Dragon winning just because their uh, run in NXT was so entertaining. Like, I almost think that they're going to win next week to make you believe going into Rampage that Adam Cole has a chance so that they'll all have gold again like they did when they were the Undisputed Era. Oh, that is also a good angle. Yeah. Oh. We don't think they're going to give Adam Cole 
the belt yet. I don't think so. I think Hangman versus Punk is too big a match to not do. Mm. And Punk's been, you know, doing that that motion, that like yes. belt motion. <laughs> yes. He wants that belt. <laughs> okay, I like I like the possibilities. So I I will be sad for Jungle Boy if they lose, but I also think it'll be very entertaining to have the Red Dragon part of Undisputed have belts and Adam Cole not. Um, so not against it. I was also gonna. I also think that Adam Page's title reign has been a little lackluster. This is because he bleeds in every title match. Well, and he's not <laughs> as good. Like I think that Kenny and Chris Jericho were better champions. You they, think he was better on the chase? He was better on the chase than actually having it. Yeah. Some guys are like that. I don't know. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I think it's been a good title reign. It's it, it hasn't been like Kenny's. Kenny's was... I know. It's like when you compare it to Kenny, it's just kind of like... And Kenny had the handicap of still... They were still oh. coming out of the the pandemic yeah. era. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say... I don't think it's as strong as Moxley's. No, I think I would... I would definitely rank Kenny, Jericho, Moxley, and Adam Page. Just on, like, strength. Not, obviously... Of how much I like them as wrestlers. He, he needs he needs like a feud that he can really sink his teeth into, um, like he had with Kenny on the way to the title. Yeah. Um, because he hasn't he hasn't really had that yet. That's like, what the I. Thing with Adam Cole, uh, the thing with Adam Cole is just like, I mean, there's something there, but it's it it all feels very surface level. Just because they're both Adams doesn't mean that you need to like <laughs> have this lifelong feud. Well, there's the good Adam and the bad Adam. Uh. No, but that point, Andy, is what I was thinking is like, I don't dislike Adam Page as a champion. I just feel like the people he's been challenged by, I, I don't feel as compelled by his fights as like the others. I almost feel like Punk needs to like viciously turn heel on him. Well, I feel like that's the way Punk's going. I hope so. So I think that then you could have something because the you know that Punk will hold up his end on the promos. Oh God, I feel bad for Adam Page when Punk starts cutting promos on him. <laughs> I don't. God love Adam Page, but I don't think he can keep up with Punk. He, he he's not as strong in the promos. He's good with like emoting thought, and like work and 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 he, sketches and stuff but out in the ring on promos he's not as strong i i don't know i thought his i thought his promo last night was really good actually at the beginning of the show where he where he told like where he told uh cole to look at him while he's talking to him that was pretty good but he fumbles a little bit on his promos i think yeah but doesn't in that make it, doesn't that make it feel a little more naturalistic to you yeah, but it, I, I don't think it makes it as strong. Like, Punk doesn't fumble. Like Kenny Robert, didn't fumble. It's like a Robert Altman movie where characters, like, have overlapping dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> I I get what Jenny's saying, because I feel like I love the, like, the pure genuineness of the Adam Page, like, speaking from the heart. But I also think when it's stacked against the sheer, like, just witty, shitty heelness of, like, a Punk, I, I just... I don't think he has. I don't think he can keep up. Yeah, and uh, maybe that's. I don't know. Maybe it. Maybe that's not like 
that's one ding against the fight, but I, I would be so much more compelled by an Adam Page punk program, I think, than like any of the other people he's tried to have feuds against for the title. I, I don't know. I just like I don't really feel like I care about the, the like fights he's having. <laughs> I don't know. Agreed. Fingers crossed for punk. Going real hard heel, going after Adam. Uh, I don't. You should steal his baby or something. God. <laughs> oh God. Sadly enough, I don't think that would be the like most extreme thing in wrestling that's happened. That's just the plot of Labyrinth. No, I mean, <laughs> they've been buried alive. They've been drugged and forced wed. One person has dragged a, a casket with the other person's father in it behind a truck. It's just like wrestling's weird. I'm trying oh. to think of like Triple H fucked a corpse that one time. Oh that is horrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely horrifying. <laughs> Steve Austin stunnered an 8,000 year old man at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> Turned to mummy dust when he landed. <laughs> oh God, that was. I, so I somebody pointed out that. to me uh, on that GIF, you can see um, if the ropes hadn't been there, Vince McMahon would have died because he mm. would have fallen out of the ring and, oh like, my God. and like broken every bone in his body. I, how old is he now? Seventy-six, I think. Whew. He has too many muscles for a seventy-six-year-old. Yep. In a way that's like, you're hurting yourself. Stop that. He sure does, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think at 76, your body should be able to, like, metabolize steroids anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's pushing all kinds of medical boundaries. Yeah, I think as a 76-year-old, you can be mobile and you can be, like, in shape. Um, I don't think you can look like that in a way that's uh, good for you at all. Um, God, that, that gif you sent was horrendous but i couldn't stop (laughs) watching it it just it kept going and i just i couldn't look away i i've got to find you the edit that they they did of it for for raw on monday it's hilarious just like they they cut like everything out of it oh my god just don't show it (laughs) so it's so so what they do is okay so you know how um you know it seems like vince forgot that the stunner happens in two parts first it's the kick to the gut and then you take the stunner it seemed like he like thought he was bumping for the stunner on the kick to the gut yeah because he stumbled he's like oh you kicked me i'm stumbling backwards yeah so in the get in, in the in the edit they did for raw you see him you see austin do the kick and then it cuts to and then it cuts to him just giving them stunner oh that is shameless it's, but it's, also probably is, for the best it's a terrible edit, but like I don't know what else they could have done except, like you said, just not show it. I mean, that's the way I would have gone. Just pretend it didn't happen. Like, ooh, live TV, it's rough, huh? But then you just don't you don't go back to it. Austin laughing like a madman at the end of it is great, though. I mean, he's just he is just trying to do his goddamn best. Like, old man, stop bumping for the kick. <laughs> I'm watching it again. <laughs> I can't stop. Oh no. So bad. It's, okay. it's funny, like Vince McMahon 
has been taking stunners since 1997, and he's never taken a good one. But this one was worse than all of the other ones combined. And he used to take them, like, almost every week. Well, it's, like, even after Austin, like, gets a hold of him, like, like he bumps against the ropes, and then he's like, okay, I got your head. But then instead of, like, taking it correctly, Vince just kind of, like, kneels and leans back. And it just, it oh, it's so bad. This is so bad. So bad. It's, it's completely insane. This is the worst thing wrestling's done. <laughs> This is the worst thing Vince McMahon's done. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. But, yeah, probably up there. So, wrestling's weird. Um, I would not be surprised if Adam Page's baby got stolen. Jenny, you're the, I don't even think you are a blip on the radar of, like, weird things that happened in wrestling at that point. That's that's how far we've gone. No, for sure. Ugh. Can't wait to see how that turns out. <laughs> In the meantime, let's go back to a feud that's been broiling ever since Thunder Rosa got her day and won her title. Um, Nyla Rose, you know, she's the she's the one who always challenges the next women's champion. Um, we get a quick video package where Nyla, like, has a talking head segment where essentially she says she appreciates Thunder Rosa's passion for defending her title. She's like all about it. Um, and then Thunder Rosa's like, great, you want my title? You come after it at the uh, next Battle of the Belts show, which is happening April 16th, Saturday, pre-tax day. Um, I am curious because the last Battle of the Belts show was... I, kind of anticlimactic to me. I, I, I'm assuming they're going to add to this one, but I'm hoping they can put together something, I don't know, better than before. I mean, you could... Uh, the, the other two, like the two title matches that seem to be hanging out there are Scorpio defending against Sammy and um, Jade and Layla Hirsch. Those are like two title match directions that haven't had dates assigned to them yet. So I could, I could see either of those ending up on that show. Well, depending on Layla's injury level, not Layla. I'm sorry, not Layla. It's Marina Shafir. Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry. Duh. Um, yeah, no, that's I'm a good point. Said Layla Hirsch, though. <laughs> no, I didn't even think of Jade like that. Actually, that actually feels like it could slot in on this show without, you know, too much trouble. The thing, the, you know, what the thing to me though is that, like last time, they, it was it was live at least, and you know the original main event was Sammy versus Cody, so they intended to put a pretty big match on it. But this time, it's it's not even live. There, I mean, it's granted it's only taped a day before, but the, it just feels like there is not a huge. The, the, these specials are not huge priorities, which I I just kind of. Like, what's even the point then? I, I know they get paid for them, but it's you'd think that you'd want to show out a little bit more. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling, too, is like, if you're going to do it, then don't half-ass it. Especially because you've got so many belts to choose from to stick on, what like, what, a show that can only hold essentially two matches? It's like an hour? So two three. To, yeah, two to three, uh, depending on how you go. Like how hard is it to make this seem a little more important than, than 
what they have done so far. Yeah, I don't I don't know that we've officially. I, I'm yeah, like you, I assume that it's an hour again because it was last time, right? So yeah, it, which surprised me too because <laughs> I was ready to commit to like a two hour show, just like an extra two hour show. It's so weird yeah. that they're only doing an hour. Well, I. I did set my DVR because if you remember last time, we didn't see it because we we for, kind of forgot that it would be a separate thing on the DVR. So I, I did I, I did actually set it to record this time. So okay, well, I, fingers crossed this one goes better. I mean, it wasn't that the last one was bad; it just kind of was like meh, like you know. And mm-hmm. I'm a, I would hope that if you're doing like an a special extra outside of your normal scheduling show that you would put some effort into it. <laughs> just a little more. I don't know. It's yeah. just me. We'll see though. The black cherry Kirkland sparkling is not good. Mm. Oh, you ventured it, a taste. Yeah. No es bueno. It tastes muy mal. It tastes like fake cherry flavoring. No. Oh. Oh, is is it like does it taste like a uh, diet coke cherry or, or a little bit? Yeah, coke but without the without whatever? like the coke in yeah. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but I'm sorry that, that you've my own out. personal taste. I really like the lime. So All right. try try a mango. I feel like mango is pretty good. You know. Yeah, and I did confirm the other one is grapefruit, not watermelon. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll try the mango one next. This was on top, so I just went with it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, good luck with the other flavors. I I like a blackberry, but I like blackberry. Yeah, I actually got the Corona seltzers um, a few weeks ago, and they had like a blackberry lime and a blackberry acai, acai, acai. I think and those are both really good. I didn't like the other two flavors in it though. One was like a strawberry kiwi. Oh, the other one was raspberry. I liked the raspberry. I did not like the strawberry kiwi at all. Mm. It was really sweet. Oh, okay. I'm surprised because strawberry kiwi sounds delicious to me. It sounds delicious. It's just, it was (laughs) really sweet. God, we haven't had this much sparkling seltzer talk on the show since the uh, the summer of White Claw 2020. Yeah, when I couldn't get wine and had to go to White Claw. Well, I you like know, it. Yeah, I was going to like, J- Jenny, I feel like in the summer, when it actually starts getting warm up in here, I'm going to start turning to hard seltzers a little more because they yeah. are refreshing and delicious in a hot weather. But Ohio has really screwed us over for this spring so far it's been cold yeah well we had that like one week of 70 degrees so then i bought like more (laughs) you know i was like oh it's patio weather better get the white claw out but they didn't have just the white claw lime pack that i like Mm -hmm. they like my, my kroger doesn't carry it anymore um so I've been trying to like venture out a little bit but I it's just like I really just want my white claw lime <laughs> totally no you're right and and that little bright spot of warmth I was like it's time to throw open the windows and dive into spring and then um then it I think snowed after that so yep. uh I want to embrace white claw season but Ohio is like no you will freeze further so as soon as it gets warm, I'm just saying, like, 
I love a good red, but venture out into a little more summer springy drinks, you know? Megan, speaking of summer springy drinks, uh, we had to, we had to be in our old neighborhood yesterday. And, uh, so while we were there, we, we stopped by the twisted vine and, uh, and they have really stepped up their champagne game since the last time we were in there. And it was baller time. It was (laughs) awesome. So they expanded their, like sparkling wine section to be an entire shelf, not just half a shelf, which was a huge upgrade. And then in the case behind, like underneath the counter, they had the comps, the Tétanger comps. I've never seen it out in the wild before. The only time I've ever seen it is at that Total Wines that we went to in Lexington. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was really exciting times. Well, that's that's great that, like, maybe you're going to have a source of another champagne provider, too. We just don't get over there, which I guess is probably good if they're going to have such good stuff all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tempting. Yeah, yeah. But I will go over there if they <laughs> had this stuff. I wouldn't have complained about how bad of a wine store they were for years. <laughs> well. You you waited them out until they got better. They did get better. Yeah. They finally learned. Well, that's exciting. I mean, hopefully you can go over there in a responsible amount of trips. You know, mm-hmm. it'll all be fine. <sighs> well, <get laughs> where are we sh- at on the show? <laughs> get some champagne because I don't know where are we at. Um. Oh, okay. Uh, we get a really really quick like segment with tony shivani talking to uh jamie Hayter and tony storm who have both qualified for the owen hart women's championship tournament um and they have like this really weird emphasis on like they could no physicality right now but they could meet before the tournament um and so tony is like sounds good to me and she tries to shake jamie's hand but jamie's like no I'm a bad guy and this is stupid. And so um, I don't know if this means they're going to have some sort of match before the tournament or that we're going to see them get to fight as part of the tournament. But I think all of that's on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Which fine with me. I mean, I think that would be fun. But yeah, that leads into more uh, women's Owen Hart championship tournament action because we've got uh, another qualifier match. This is, I believe, the third. And it's Julia Hart versus Hikaru Shida. Um, Julia Hart, I have to call out because I'm so excited. She's not her normal nice self. She attacks Shida before the bell and she uses her varsity jacket to choke her. And then when the varsity blondes who are, like, ringside for her to support her look horrified and are like, Julia, what are you doing? She says, you gotta go. And she kicks them out. Um, So she makes them leave ringside. And I don't know if you noticed, but there was like a, just like a little smudge of zombie gray skin under the eye patch. Just saying. A little bit of Malachi Black action going on there. So, um, Julia, did you you notice? I, I was so excited. No, I don't think, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. Oh, she's going to turn, guys. She's going to turn. I thought that this was, I mean, not that we've seen a ton of her, but I actually thought she looked really good in this match. I liked her. I like her. I think she's 
going to be better as a heel. Totally. I Anyone's better than a cheerleader act. Come on. <laughs> oh, you say that, and I would agree with you on the surface, but it sounds like she was a prof- like a like a college cheerleader and um i started watching cheer on netflix and them people be athletic is what i will say no i am not saying like no cheer cheerleaders are very athletic i just that character does oh, not yeah. appeal to me on a wrestling show like no matter yeah. how athletic you are great don't do a cheer character because i don't give a shit about you fair fair jenny have i ever told you about the spirit squad Oh God! Oh God! Spirit oh, show her a picture. Was a group of five young men in WWF in like 2006 who were cheerleaders, and they used their cheerleader prowess, of which I don't know that any of them actually had any, uh, to do fanciful moves on their opponents and uh, and and win and. Uh, it was, they were actually a pretty good heel act. Tell her who was in it. I, I, I will. The Spirit Squad. Okay. I'm finding a picture. I'm showing Jenny the Spirit Squad. Is that TJ? No, TJ's not in it. That is the person who you know now. The one, the fourth one over. You got this, Jenny. uh, The fourth one from you or the fourth one from me? The fourth one from you. (laughs) Left to right, the fourth one. You got this, Jenny. I have no idea who that is. That is Dolph Ziggler. That is not. That is the... the Is that the era that Nikki would have been dating him, Dolph Ziggler? No, this was like a few years before Nikki signed. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Are you sure that's not TJ on the end? I am sure that's not TJ on the end. <laughs> what year do you, what, like, estimate, if you don't know for sure, but, like, what year were they around? 2006 was their main year. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Spirit Squad. <laughs> I never saw them wrestle, but I love the pictures and the idea of the Spirit Squad. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can get behind a cheerleader, I mean, there you go. But uh, I I do agree with you, Jenny, that Julia Hart, like, I'm excited to see her go evil and maybe do something different than a cheerleader. Um so not not against that. Um, she does lose though to Sheeta here. Um, Sheeta uses the Falcon Arrow to pin her, so Sheeta gets to go to the tournament. And then um, maybe Jenny, I don't know. This might have been the most impactful part to you. After the match, Sheeta is victorious, but Serena Deeb's music hits, and Sheeta grabs her trusty kendo stick and looks to the stage, but Serena doesn't walk out there. And uh, I don't know what it was that alerted Sheeta, um, but she, Serena Deeb tries to like sneak up behind her with a chair in her hand, and Sheeta just spins around and has her kendo stick ready. And neither one of them do anything; like they don't attack each other. They just kind of stare each other down, and then Serena Deeb like rolls out of the ring and 
kind of gives Sheeta a look and then leaves. So the professor's pissed. Well, yeah, she should be. She's gotten her five minute matches taken away. I loved that segment. <laughs> Sheeta wasn't the one to take them away. Well, I guess I blame Tony. That's fair. Blame Tony for everything. Literally everything in the company is Tony's fault, if you want to look at it that way. I guess that's true. Yeah. That's fair. Blame Tony. He took those away. But he took those away, and now... Like, like Megan Megan blames Tony for Jay Lethal. She doesn't even mention his segments when they happen. I try not to. Yeah. Like, you missed the one. You missed the one. I, I say missed, but I think it was intentional. You didn't talk about the one tonight. Oh, the Samoa Joe one. Yeah, because it was right after Joe's match. Oh, you know, I wrote notes on it bitterly, um, but I just, <laughs> I guess I didn't care. <laughs> that was subconscious. I don't want to platform him. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Especially because, Andy, I will say, in my notes, uh, if we jump all the way back to the, the second match where Samoa Joe showed up, I wrote... After the match, Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt show up in a video message on the big screen. Lethal lets us know that he has a new outlook on life. He will now do and say whatever the hell he wants. And then I wrote, cool look, all things considered. <laughs> so I don't care about it. Feels like he learned nothing from. Uh... <laughs> oh, you weren't already doing and saying whatever the hell you want. That's great. That's great. So, yeah. Megan is biased against Jay Lethal. I accept that criticism. Anyway. We shall move on. From Sheeta. Who is now in the tournament. If you're keeping track. We got four ladies, one man. Wait. There's four ladies? I thought it was only three. Hater, Storm, and Sheeta. Wasn't there another one? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. I may, I may have overestimated. We're getting a fourth one on Friday in the match between Red Velvet and Willow Nightingale. Oh, yes. Yes. Good point. Uh, Willow Nightingale. I feel like you've said her name. I recognize the name, but I know nothing about her and didn't recognize her picture. So the only thing I know about her is that I mentioned her last week when running down the Ring of Honor pay-per-view because she was... Mercedes Martinez's opponent in the uh, interim Ring of Honor Women's World Title match. Okay, okay. That must be where I heard her then. So she is a Ring of Honor lady? I presume. Okay. How... Uh, maybe you know this, Andy, but like, how many Ring of Honor people are actually signed to AEW, or should we assume that they all are available for AEW? I don't think... Ring of Honor had anyone signed to it as of December. They cut all of the contracts. So I think that the, the they show, the yeah, they December. all expired. And I, what, they were just doing a per per date uh, per date deal. Yeah. There were a few people whose deals had extended and like were up in like March or something like that. But yeah, they, they didn't have any talent signed. And I don't think Tony Khan is going to use a lot of that talent going forward. Like maybe the Briscoes. I think I think probably Jonathan Gresham, since you know he kept the title on him. Um, but other than that, I don't know. You know, as you as you know, he switched all the other titles to AEW people. Okay. And Deanna Parazzo, he can't sign her because she's an Impact wrestler. So. 
Okay. I guess I was just wondering how many, like, like Jenny, good point. They did kind of cancel the company at the end of December. But I, I guess I was wondering how many people who were signed with ROH before then Tony might have been interested in acquiring as part of his purchase. Like the opportunity, I guess, to, to sign I, people. I think very few. Okay. Samoa Joe is all elite, though, right? Samoa Joe is all elite, yes. Okay. You got the okay. graphic and everything. Okay. Good. Lock him down. Yeah. Um, all right. So Willow is going to face Velvet. And she is not part of AEW necessarily. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Uh, we still have sort of, I, I think my point was we have a disproportionate amount of ladies in the tournament versus men. So far, only Samojo is in for the men's side. So we got to kind of do some catch up work there. But I also don't know when the Owen Hart finals are going to be. So they may have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're almost to the main event. But just before it, we get a quick segment where Alex Marvez is talking to Swerve. Swerve, who is friends with a lot of people who went to the Grammys, apparently. Um, and Swerve went to the Grammys as well to hang out with his friends. I don't know. Uh, he said they were up for awards. I'm not clear if they won those awards or if they were just up for them. But hey, like, good for you, Swerve. Going to the Grammys seems like a fun party. Um, I, th- I thought that, like, totally made him look big league. Yeah, I it, it struck me. And I say this not in a bad way, but it struck me as one of those, like, social media opportunities that wwe loves to take where they like cut to a picture of him on the red carpet and i didn't think it was like gratuitous or stupid or forced in the way that sometimes wwe is but i was just like oh good for you but aw aw needs more stuff like that yeah i guess that's fair like uh if if you don't overdo it that's totally a good cross promotion sort of thing or like celebrities in the crowd i feel like you get a lot more of that at wwe than you do it We've gotten Melissa Joan Hart, and that's it. You know what, though, I bet, I bet when they go to Los Angeles or to the to the Forum in Inglewood, I bet there will be some celebrities in the crowd there, because that's where the celebrities live. <laughs> you have to go to them; they will not come to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Swerve definitely was. They showed photos of him on the red carpet, um, both alone and with people who uh, I am too old to have any sort of finger on the pulse about like modern music or rap. <laughs> but like, I, I'm pretty sure he was there with, if they're there for the Grammys, probably pretty big deals. Um, so yeah, we get like that little update on Swerve's life. And then he's like, Hey, I'm going to go ahead to the locker room. I got stuff to do. And he goes through the door and very quickly Hobbs and Starks just like, fly in from the side of the like off screen they run and chase him into the locker room and start attacking him and beating him up and then keith lee comes to the rescue and there's a little bit of like fighting and then keith lee just puts hobbs through a wall (laughs) and on the other side of the wall i'm pretty sure the varsity blondes are like what are you doing you could barely see because of keith lee's back that you could screen a movie on (laughs) yeah he's a giant man (laughs) yeah that's pretty cool 
it wasn't it wasn't uh, quite him uh, yeeting uh, Adam Cole into the into the front row at uh, NXT, but it was pretty good. I will never get over that moment. <laughs> I, I loved it so much. Yeah, I do. I do hope they recreate it someday. Me too. Me too. Uh, but all that is to say, like uh, Keith Lee and Swerve are friends I, I keep saying that very tentatively because i'm sure that eventually one of these men will have to turn on the other because you know only one can win belts and stuff but for now they seem aligned against team taz and with that yeah, yeah. with that we go to the main event hell of a main event uh it's the young bucks versus ftr and two titles are on the line this time it is the triple triple A and ring of honor world tag team championships that FTR currently holds. They've put them on the line and, um, God damn it. They keep them, but what a freaking match this was like, this is the second in their great saga of these two teams claiming to be the best tag teams in the world. And it's just, really awesome i think the crowd energy is super super high on this one and i didn't write a lot of notes because i was too busy watching it because it was um pretty non-stop beginning to end just wow it fucking ruled <laughs> yeah such a good match it was so good i i, I can't like i can't remember their their pay-per-view match back at daily's place that well but um it, I remember it was really, I really liked it, but this, I mean, you know, you had the advantage of having like 5,000 fans in the building here and it was, it, the crowd was so hot. FTR are like such good baby faces. Who knew? I found myself like truly loving them and I'm like, oh no, you're supposed to hate FTR, but they are just between their podcast episodes and just this performance. I was like, I love them. God, yeah. I, this, I mean, the, God, you know, the young, we say it all the time. The young Bucks are the the best tag team ever, and uh, and uh, it's you know, it's it, it's always pretty obvious. But it's matches like this make it just you know, it, it's it's an easy choice to make. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just for thoroughness, um, FTR did win. They they kept the titles. The um, the pin was done by Dax Harwood. He pinned Mac, Jats Mac Jackson after the big rig. But also, uh, I have to say, there was some shenanigans where... Um, so, FTR... I feel like Cash was the one who was taking a lot of the, the punishment. And he got into um, the BTE trigger position. And he, got, he took that. But there wasn't a pin. It was like a fake pin where his foot landed on. He got his foot on the rope. Right. Rick Knox yeah. counted down to three, but then was like, oh, wait, I see that foot. And so kind of dialed it back. But then FTR for their win, they did the BT trigger on Matt. And then they also did like the, the Adam Cole, like cheek kiss on him. Yeah. Which I just loved. I love when. When teams use the other team's moves to taunt them. Me too. It's great. Kevin Owens wrestled Cody Rhodes uh, after Raw 
on Monday in the dark match, and I, I saw uh, like fan cam footage of it. And he uh, at one point he taunted Cody by doing the the young bucks uh, like pose the like oh. the, the the flex your arms and tilt pose, you know. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love it. Love it. Oh, and Cody, you know, still hoping for the best for you, bud. But yeah, um, there were so many high spots and spots in general in this match. It's like, I don't even know how to cover it because it was just like, just go watch it start to finish. Just excellent. A great match. Like, this is the match where I was like, yes, this is pay-per-view quality. And yeah, right? Yeah, it was kind of it's kind of kind of a little dodgy there after that <laughs> tables match, but uh, they, they, they made up for it. Exactly. Yes. And and such a great way to end the show. Just I don't know. It it was it was great. I don't know. It's great. That's all I can say. It was great. It was it was absolutely fantastic match. I loved it so much. I was I was absolutely captivated by it for the entire time. Totally. I was cursing you thinking that you were getting to watch the whole thing while I had to watch a commercial break. But uh <laughs> Oh, I did. I definitely did get to watch the whole screen, full screen. It was it was it was one of the few times that I actually paid attention to picture in picture because I was so into it. And you know what? I will say, like, I didn't really notice when it was picture in picture because they didn't slow down. You know how in most matches. Yes, I know what you're saying, but they did immediately start just like working over Cash's uh, leg when it went to picture in picture, but they were still like tagging in and out and doing it quickly. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is like I I didn't notice like a slow and slowing of pace like they worked over cash a lot. I'm like, oh, man, poor guy. You got to get that hot tag. But like it never it never changed in pace the way that normally a picture in picture does. There was that moment um, when cash was finally diving for the big tag to Dax and Nick Jackson timed that super kick on the apron to Dax so perfectly that knocked him off. So he, so uh, cash missed the tag. That was amazing. Yes. He pulled his bullshit. Yeah. Oh yeah. So good. Great match. Just um, like, absolutely. Like def, I think definitely I, I, I gotta say like, as much as I liked both the Danielson and uh, hangman matches this year, I do think this was my favorite TV match of the year so far. A contender for the BDs, for sure. <laughs> if we ever do those again, yeah. We have to. Uh, miss it. Yeah. But hey, that was Dynamite. Uh, good was. show. Good show. Great main event. Definitely. I thought overall good show. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's see. I think that's. I think all we got left is the Elite Beat plug of the week. And uh, Jenny, do you want to go first this week? Everyone. <laughs> she just sat up straight. I discovered K-drama this week. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I love it. I binged a K-drama series on Netflix called Business Proposal. And it was lovely and wonderful and like like a warm little hug it i just i loved it i i'm i'm so in 
mm-hmm. on on the K drama. The business proposal is about a um a researcher who's working at a company and uh, meets the new president of the company, and um, they, you know, romance ensues, but very wholesome, chaste. Ch- wholesome, chaste romance ensues. Yes. Jenny, can I ask you, how did you get sucked into the K-drama, like, world? Because, um, I just, I'm, I'm curious, like, what drew you in? So, I was looking on Netflix at what they were recommending for me, and they recommend this, they recommended this, like, business proposal show. And I, like, watched the little preview, and it looked cute. So I, so I watched it. I wasn't sure in the first, like, couple minutes, but then it, like, kind of hooked me in. Okay. Then, once you watch one K-drama on your Netflix... <laughs> Netflix is like, whole, we know you. You get, like, three different lines of various K-dramas. So I'm already on to my second one, but I'm not going to plug that this week. Business proposal. I really liked it. Jenny, do you have to read subtitles, or is this dubbed? No, I read the subtitles. Okay. I don't like the dubbed things. It always feels really weird. I don't, for, like, live-action things. um, I was just curious. Like, again, that's, like, another layer of the K-dramas you're committing to like you can't just put it on for background you have to actually like, right. pay attention yeah i don't mind it in a uh, honey may but i uh <laughs> I, I also agree with jenny that like live action dubbing is strange yeah yeah that's fair i i that makes it even more interesting to me because you you have to pay attention to it and if it's good enough that you're sucked in and like you're full-on committed that's in this day and age with the phones and whatnot. I'm mm-hmm. nine thousand years old. Like that's that's a good recommendation. I I have noticed a couple times where I like got a notification or something was like on my phone, and then I had to remember. Like I looked back up and I was like, I have no idea what just happened. So then I had to, like rewind. <laughs> it's happened a few times. Fair. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll go next. Um, my. Uh, my uh, plug of the week this week is the film Dark Man, uh, which is uh, a 1990. Uh, it's not a superhero. I guess it's like it's a comic book movie, but it's not based on a comic book. It's it's a Sam Raimi film that I'm watching for this the current season of Blank Check, and it's so what happened is Sam Raimi coming off of Evil Dead Two, which was very successful. Um, he really wanted to direct a he wanted to direct either a batman movie or a movie about the shadow which was like a a big uh, serial uh radio serial in the like the 30s and 40s or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, which actually did become a movie starring alec baldwin a few years later but um so he couldn't get the rights to either of those like like he couldn't he couldn't figure it out like how to get he couldn't get any get whoever owned the rights to those to let him make those movies. <laughs> so he was like, okay, I'll just create my own comic book thing. And so he created this character, Dark Man. And uh, he cast Liam Neeson, a very young Liam Neeson, but uh, which by which I mean 38. Uh, yeah, he because, didn't look that. You sent like these young Liam Neeson pictures, and I was like, mm-hmm. but like, I, I okay, so I looked at his IMDb, and I, I, I have seen a slightly younger Liam Neeson. 
by two years. Um, but this was this was near the youngest Liam Neeson. This is not like seen. a young Hugh Dancy who's like clearly like nineteen. No, 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 it's not. Um, yeah, it's not like because I haven't seen Excalibur from like nineteen eighty, which he's in. But um, anyway, so it's Liam Neeson and it's uh, it's um, oh gosh, what's her name? Frances uh, McDormand. Thank you, Frances McDormand. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes sense because Raimi is like in the the Cohen like crew. Um, and they're all kind of intertwined together. <laughs> um, and it's, it was like, it's like, if you've seen Raimi's Spider-Man movies, it makes this movie make sense. It's like, Oh, okay. I can see like, I can see some of the blueprints and like framework of, of what a, of what Sam Raimi wants a comic book movie to be. And then, so it was almost like he'd made this in 1990 as a, like a proof of concept for getting the reins to a big comic book franchise mm. 12 years later. Because after this, he makes like nothing similar to that. He makes like, he makes like, like a, a crime caper drama and a uh, Kevin Costner baseball movie <laughs> and like, you know, like a couple other things, but which one of the 30 Kevin Costner baseball movies. Okay. There made? are three. And it is the third and last one, and it is called "For Love of the Game." That's right. Okay. No. Anyway, so that's mine. I I really enjoyed Dark Man. Oh, I like which, the like take which on. Which I had, I had, I thought I had, I, I thought I had seen it before, and I wasn't sure where I had seen it. I assumed it was on video, but when I was watching it, I started to have really specific memories of being in a theater with my dad seeing it, which means that my dad took me to see this movie when I was seven years old and he should not have taken me to see this movie when I was seven years old. (laughs) That's, uh, that's very on brand for your dad. Yeah. Also very interesting. Like take on Sam Raimi and superhero, his superhero movies. Cause I've never heard of this film, but it's uh, I'm interested in like how it affected, you know, like how it was like his first kind of vision. Yeah, it's it was it's pretty good. I mean, some of it's some of it's like pretty it's very wacky, um, but I think his idea is just like, well, everything has to be heightened because it's a comic book. So, you know, like well, <laughs> sure, we, yeah, we know like, that for sure, given the villain in the the Willem Dafoe performance first, in yeah. Spider-Man, yeah. I mean Dick Tracy was was that that was a comic book, right? And like that movie was out. Right? Uh yeah. Yeah, I think that came out like maybe the same year actually. That seems wacky as hell as far as like <laughs> Dick Tracy's pretty wacky, yeah. So yeah. Alright, so how about you, Megan? Uh, for me, I'm going to go back to my true crime roots, but I think it's something people can enjoy. Um, I have been really into the dropout on Hulu and it's a eight part mini series and it just finished up this week actually about, um, a, a female entrepreneur in Silicon Valley who, um, she creates a company to like reduce the amount of blood needed for tests, like like their claim to fame was like uh one little like finger prick of blood to test for all these like 
like basically every disease possible um, to reduce, you know, so that you didn't have to sit through like drawing blood. And uh, turns out she's like lied <laughs> and committed fraud and like she, a like, lot falsified, of she falsified her like studies, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is like, it's, uh, it's such an interesting story. Um, but also for me, it like really like spoke to me because, um, she is both <laughs> when things were high, she was a feminist icon. And when things got low, it was like, this is uh, going to hurt all women entrepreneurs because <laughs> of what you did. And so, like, I think that dichotomy is, like, very interesting because it is true. Like, like men in Silicon Valley can – I mean, you've got Elon Musk's, right? Like, not to say he's not smart, but that fucker can do whatever he wants and people throw money at him. And if he fails, like, that's fine too. Uh, whereas a woman, like, she is – she did it and she lied and she cheated and now she's like fucking it all over for like other women entrepreneurs and like so there's this aspect of the company and what they're trying to do and how she did it and just her as a character she like lowered her voice like hey. like very almost like buffalo bill level um because she's a woman in a man's world and she idolized Steve jobs and started like dressing like him and doing like the black turtleneck and stuff. So like her as a character and like just a weird person is a whole thing. And the company is a whole thing. And then also like the implications on like women entrepreneurs. I don't know. I just really like all of it. And uh, it's just, I think it's super well done too. Hulu is like really putting out some, some good true crime stuff. Um, Amanda Seyfried is the lead. And she's great. And um, Naveen Andrews, who was on Lost, who I love from Lost, he's also in it. Um, I heard but, they're both going to be tough to beat come Emmy season. Oh, they're they're very good, very good. Like, I I think super good performances in this. And and Sam Waterston is there as um, George yeah. Schultz, um, which like. We watched Fantastic Beasts recently, and we commented on how his daughter was just like, you could not not see Sam Waterston. So I, I was also like, oh, Sam Waterston, you're back. Um, but highly recommended. Uh, Jenny, I don't know if you'd like it because it does imply like a lot of like not fun health things as far as like they lied about blood test results and a bunch of people ended up with just false things and i know that like makes you anxious and you hate bad decisions it's full of bad decisions <laughs> so um i do recommend it though if you want to try it out i think it's a great mini series and just super interesting we might give that one a try although you really like that inventing anna it did yeah i don't remember was that your plug two weeks ago when we started this no i didn't plug inventing anna uh, okay but yeah. I, we, I did enjoy it we talked about it and yeah yeah like if you like, I actually, okay, I want to revise that. Jenny, I think you'd like this. Um, you just do have to ignore the scenarios, like the the scenes where they're like, oh, let's just lie about this test result. <laughs> just move on. So but. did she, how did she lie? Did she just always say negative? Like, did she not have enough data to know whether the test was positive or false? And so she was just like saying always negative or always positive or doing like a mix between it. Or was she actually getting a test result, but then telling them it was the opposite? So the premise was they were building this machine that um, could at some point be like an in-home blood test machine so that you didn't have to like go through healthcare and like all the rigmarole. Um, but it started out where like, 
Walgreens would have them. And you can just go in and do a quick test for like literally everything. And so their machine wasn't working the way that they said it would. Like like it just wasn't doing what they claimed to be able to do. And so they would uh, have a lot of errors as far as like the mach- they would put it in the machine and it would be like error. And um, they just were like, no, this doesn't look good for us. And then they would like just falsify the result and just say, nope, this is good. And then send it out to real people. And they, I mean, and this company, Theranos, they, they, I mean, they had so much investment capital, right? Like people, people were investing like in this, like crazy. Oh yeah. Their board of directors was bananas. Like it was like George Schultz and like military people and just really important people who you'd be like, you're smarter than this, right? Um, or you're smart enough to see a scam, right? And yeah, it was just like uh, that's I'm part s- of the intrigue. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing like a figure from a CNBC story of like she they she raised like 945 million dollars. Wow. From the likes of Betsy DeVos, Rupert Murdoch, and the and the Walton family from you know of Walmart. Yes, yes, and part of the the thing is like she has this giant board that's like full of important people and um even though things are going so so wrong behind the scenes like there is something about her like whether it be a charm or just like like somebody that people wanted to believe could succeed that like she sweet talked these people to the point where like like they got so like so far in that when it all came crashing down, everyone was like, oh, no, what? <laughs> like, we never saw it coming. Like, I don't know. It's just it's so interesting, the whole case. And like um, one of the whistleblowers was Tyler Schultz, who is George Schultz's uh, grandson. And um, it caused major familial drama because George Schultz was like, no, I believe her over his own like grandson who worked at the mm-hmm. company. So I don't know. It's good stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, check it out. It's uh, it's eight episodes, uh, forty-five minutes each, forty-five to like an hour, because they do that HBO thing where they kind of fluctuate since there's no commercials on Hulu. Um, but yeah, like totally worth the investment. Very, very interesting, and it's all out there, so you can binge it. Okay, so this week we've got a business proposal on Netflix. We've got Darkman on AMC Plus, a very <laughs> popular streaming service. And uh, we've got uh, The Dropout on Hulu. Sounds right. like a good week of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully uh, we've got a good week of entertainment coming up from uh, AEW. Uh, I, I have heard that Moxley versus Yuta match is not one to be missed, so... Oh, he's gonna kill that little boy. Well, I, you know, I, 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 I hear it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty, I hear it's a pretty good match. So I can't imagine that he just squashes him. I'm excited. Yeah, me that. too. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's all from here, and we will be back next week, uh, to talk about that and uh, next week's dynamite. With, uh, I predict, new World Tag Team Champions. So, we, we <laughs> shall see. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. For Megan and Jenny, I'm Andy. And this has been The Elite Beat. E-Lee Beat. E-E-Lee Beat.